Welcome to the Driving Dentistry Forward podcast, where successful dental pros and anyone who values the power of a smile can get an edge in the dynamic worlds of healthcare and business. Hosts Chuck Cohen and Rick Cohen speak with top influencers in the world of dentistry and explore essential tools, trends worth your time, and solutions that help you practice smarter. Welcome, everybody. My name is Chuck Cohen. I'm the Managing Director of Benco, and I'm here today with Greg Minzenmayer, um, the Chief Operating Officer of Glidewell Dental, and um, very exciting to welcome him to the list of 32 most influential people in dentistry. Uh, Greg is an old friend. I know him for several years, and Greg, thank you for being here today with us. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank, thank you for having me. Thank you very much. It's an esteemed list, and we're glad to have you on it, and uh, we're glad to recognize the contributions that Glidewell Labs continues to make to dentistry. Oh, thank you. I, I'm, I'm very honored to be uh, on the list, especially when you look at the uh, the other names that were on that list. It's quite humbling, actually. Oh, well, <laughs> glad you're here. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, let's start a little bit with your background. Tell us a little bit about where you grew up and went to school and how you sort of find yourself where you are today. Sure, sure. I, I, uh, I grew up with a uh, family who traveled a lot. My father worked for Bechtel, which is a large construction company. They do large uh, kind of uh, huge projects for uh, emerging markets. So mines and oil refineries and harbors and airports and things like that. And uh, so I traveled throughout Southeast Asia, lived in uh, Indonesia for a number of years, lived in Australia for a number of years, uh, lived in Northern Alberta, Canada for a number of years. And just got a got a real opportunity to uh, live in other cultures around the around the world. So uh, I find that extremely useful working for a company like Glidewell. But uh, we have, uh, I think, thirty two different nationalities represented in this company. People wow. from all over the world, and most of them are recent immigrants who uh, have come to this country looking for an opportunity and. Uh, Jim provides that uh, by having a large training and education center so they can come here without skills and he'll teach them dental technology skills and, and give them a career. So, so, so I, I think that's one of the reasons that I fit in here so well is that I, that I have that background. But uh, once, uh, once I kind of got into my high school years, my mother insisted that we stay, uh, <laughs> that we stay in the U.S., so I, I went to uh, high school in Phoenix, Arizona, lived there, uh, got out and um, having that construction background, I assumed I would be uh, growing up in that background. I assumed I would be in that field. So I uh, started my career as, a, as an estimator for a construction company. Really? And, uh, and then in, 88 or 89, we had the, uh, in the early 90s, we had the, the uh, bank, uh, the, the first bubble kind of break, savings and loans, and uh, it had to find a place to go from that. Ended up in California working for a medical device company and, and then made my way into dentistry and here I am. <laughs> so you, you were at Nobel, I know, before you joined Glidewell. For several yes. Uh, yeah, I made a transition out of medical uh, during the first, uh, when the government first tried the uh, 
medical reform, healthcare reform uh, back in the 90s. And kind of everything in medical at that it, during those two years kind of slowed down and came to a stop. Uh, so I looked for a parallel business to get into, and that was uh, dentistry. Uh, and I, I don't know, I don't know if, if you've known a lot of people that have come in from medical into dentistry, but once you get into dentistry, you never leave. People never <laughs> leave dentistry once they get in. It's, it's such a great absolutely deal. true. Yeah, it's a great deal. Uh, yeah, so I started with Dentnet actually in '94. Uh, uh, worked there for a couple of years and then I uh, got a job with a company called Stereos, which was at the time the fastest growing U.S. implant company who was then acquired by Noble Biocare. And then I spent uh, nine years at Novell. So talk a little bit about how your global upbringing has impacted the global operations of Glidewell and sort of where, where that fits together. Cause, and talk a little bit about Glidewell's global operations, because I know that uh, most people probably don't know how big Nobel is and how big Glidewell is in terms of employees and facilities. Talk a little bit about that if you would. Yeah, well, uh, the, the background, the, the international background that I came in with was extremely helpful, just understanding how different cultures kind of work together. And if you think about having 32 different nationalities, sometimes you get uh, nationalities that in their, in their in, back in their own countries, they don't necessarily get along with one another. Got it. Uh, but here, but here at Glidewell, we've we found a way to make all of that work and and really have a have a family atmosphere and allow people to come. To most a lot of the people that when they first come to work here don't speak English, so it, you know they may be Korean or Vietnamese or or uh, Persian or a number of different nationalities, but they they don't have to speak English to come here because we have people who are supervisors that, uh, that speak English and translate for them. So we give them, we give them, we give them that opportunity. And, and that, that happened way before I came here. Jim, Jim set that uh, culture up with the company, but it was something that I naturally fell into because of my background. So it was, it was very helpful for me to be able to do that. Yeah. Gotcha. And you, and you guys are now the number one, and you have been for many years, the number one dental lab in the United States. Um, in terms of units, correct? We believe so. Yes, we uh, we're we're pushing. Uh, well, pre-COVID, we expected to push past the half billion dollar mark this year. Yeah, in terms of revenue, in terms of revenue, it's a lot of crowds. Yeah. It's a lot things. of crowds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, we, and of course we have a, we have the manufacturing side. So we have we have some commercial products, which your company is is uh, gracious enough to distribute for some of those lines for us um but that's a but that that represents a, a very small percentage of what we do it's uh, what we do is tr mostly all mm -hmm. traditional dental lab work so talk a little bit about influence that's the topic of the day what mm -hmm. kind of influence do you think glidewell the lab the organization and you personally have on dentistry i think when a lot of us think about dentistry we think about dentists who actually do the work or the, the initial part of the work, but the laboratory is a very influential piece of the dental uh, restoration when it's all done. And what kind of influence do you think you and the Glidewell team have on dentistry and where it's headed? Yeah, well, I, you know, I, I can't uh, talk about really the influence without talking about Jim and some of the decisions he's made uh, in the past. Back in 2005, uh, he decided to get into the zirconia business, and we were 
making zirconia for copings, kind of like Lava had and, and uh, Dinsply had. And there were a number of companies that made copings that we would then stack porcelain on top of. And he, he just got to thinking there's got to be a better way than stacking porcelain on zirconia, such a strong material. Why can't we just make the whole crown out of it? So just long story short, that's how we came up with uh, Bruxer. And, and that product has really transformed the entire industry. So if you think about uh, in the beginning, uh, digital dentistry was starting in the lab. There were scanners and we would scan, a, we would scan dyes and then we'd make copings over those. And then, but I, I, I think when I, when I look back at what was happening then and what happened post Bruxer, being able to, to provide a full contour zirconia crown is really just uh, uh, accelerated the growth of digital dentistry on the lab side of things. It made it a real viable product. And then every lab uh, started to buy mills and started to buy scanners themselves and get into that business. Right. And, and from there, it really opened the door to being able to, in the very early days when uh, the only kind of two scanners that were on the market were Itero and the, the 3M. 3M, right? Uh, there were very few labs that were accepting those scans. So since we had that digital infrastructure now set up uh, with uh, 3Shape at the time, yeah. we, uh, we, we started a department called CDOT. It's not very creative, centralized digital order processing department. Uh -huh. Uh, and, and, and we started to create uh, this portal to be able to bring in those scans and we did it way back in 2006, seven. Uh, and, and now it's a 30 person department, uh, and we process tens of thousands of scans every month now through that. So, so, so that influence really, that Bruxer influence really changed our lab. I think it changed the entire industry. And uh, that probably is the biggest influence that the lab has had and, and we've had as a company uh, to the industry. So I'd like to spend a couple minutes and unpack that because I think it's a, it's a very interesting um, insight that a big piece of Glidewell, the lab, the organizations, Jim and you, a lot of the influences come from R&D. So a lot of us maybe don't think of laboratories, dental laboratories as being particularly innovative, you know, like you think of, well, the prescription comes in from the dentist and the dentist and then the laboratory configures uh, the crown to the prescription and sends it back. So talk a little bit about how innovation has been a key piece of Glidewell's growth and influence on dentistry. Oh, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's something that uh, we really build this, uh, this whole business on is our R and D we've got uh, we just built last year a 25,000 square foot state-of-the-art uh, R&D facility uh, in one of our buildings here on our Irvine campus in California. And uh, that's where we continue our Bruxer uh, development. But we're also working on anything that's kind of pushing the limits in digital dentistry. So we're, we're creating 3D resin, uh, printing resins now for 3D printers. We're uh, creating, as, as you're aware, the obsidian glass ceramic, the, the lithium silicate product. Uh, and we're working on a number of composite materials. Uh, we're working on a number of processes for uh, printing dentures. We're working on resins for printing dentures. Uh, we're working on 
uh, a number of kind of traditionally thermoform products to be able to print them uh, direct to, to manufacture. Mm -hmm. uh, so the, the, the R&D is, is critical for us. And it, goes, it really goes beyond materials. So uh, back in 2000, oh, I'm forgetting the years now, but it was either 2009 or 2010, we acquired uh, the, soft, the dental software technology from Geomagic, who was a big, big CAD CAM uh, company. They're, they're, in, they're, they're much more like automotive industries and outside of aerospace and less in, less in dentistry. So we acquired all the dental assets and started our own uh, CAD CAM development uh, team. We have uh, 40, 40 something software developers that we work with in Russia. And then we have another 25, 30 here in the United States that, uh, that help us develop that software. And at the same time, we started to build our own milling units like uh, TS-150E that, that your company has. We also have the viable fast mill uh, but we, but what a lot of people don't know is we make our own zirconia mills uh, that we use here in the office. So we've taken that technology now and we've, uh, with a large team of automation engineers and the, and those software developers, we've teamed them up and we've now created a fully automated Bruxer laboratory. Wow. So if you think about all the stuff that we just talked about, we've got, uh, we have the uh, intro intro scans coming in through this CDOP department mm -hmm. that connects to directly to a, a cloud infrastructure called CloudPoint. Mm -hmm. um, so a doctor can scan in his office, send to Glidewell within within seconds of him making that scan in his office, often before the patient even gets to the parking lot now. Sure. You can see that scan into this infrastructure. So it goes to our cloud, uh, it goes to CDOT, then it goes to the cloud, it gets queued up uh, as, a, as a design, as a, a scan of the, of the jaw. Then now we're using artificial intelligence that we've developed with the uh, University of uh, California, Berkeley. Yeah. In cooperation with them, we, we've developed this artificial intelligence that automatically proposes the crown about 75% of those crowns require no technician to do any manipulation. They just go straight through to our, to our queue into wow. an automated milling system. Uh, and then it, it, from the mill, from the time it queues up in the mill, it goes straight through one technician does some pre-coloring, then it goes into the ovens and then the rest of it is uh, automated. So there's there's optical QC that that scans the final crown that makes sure that we've finished what we designed in the original design pattern, and uh, and then it goes out completely modelless. So we're able to we're able, it's it's we're only doing a small percentage of our crowns that way today. We're we're working through the system. We'll scale that up probably early next year. And we believe through that we'll be able to get crowns out the door within 24 hours of receiving them. Wow. So, so, so let's look at that a little bit because what I heard you say is really innovation on three dimensions, right? So you right. have the innovation on software, you yes. have the innovation in materials, and then you have the innovation in the machines because you're making your own machines, right? right? I would imagine 
what you would say is without all three of those, two of the three don't work, right? How, right. Talk a little bit about how you got to get all that to work together in order to produce a real, a really innovative result. Right. Well, yeah, that's that's the challenge. I, you, you hit the nail on the head. Trying to to bring all of that technology together so that it it comes together in a way that that gives us the result we're looking for has been the has been the real challenge. And this has been a five year project for us. Uh, but without each component of that, controlling that each component of that, and kind of being vertically integrated to such a degree that that not only do we do we make our own mills here? We or, or we have our own mills. We actually have the machine shop and everything that makes those mills yep. here on site. So we so we we build all the automation ourselves. We make all the mills ourselves. So and we make all the materials and we write all the software. So the only way we can accomplish this, we believe, is by controlling each one of those steps. If we were to wait for another software development company to develop something that we needed for this, it wouldn't make sense to them because we're the only, we would be the only, let's say we did it with uh, 3Shape and, and we have a great relationship with 3Shape, continue to use a lot of their products here in the lab. But there would be no reason for them to put all of those resources towards developing this specialized project for Glidewell right. because there would be no, no other buyers out there. So the only way we could do this is to control each one of those three areas and build it all ourselves. So taking the, the focus on innovation and now talking a little bit about influence, what do you think is, I mean, clearly you guys have a very successful business. You talked before about the sales and growth. Where does the, where does the influence come in? How do you feel like Glidewell has really changed dentistry? Yeah. Well, I think, I think Bruxer completely changed the industry. We, we, uh, we, it was a everything was a it was a PFM world, right? It was a PFM world, and it was uh, porcelain stacked on onto zirconia. Those were the two kind of competing competing forces for crown and bridge. Uh, Bruxer came by and just kind of leveled the playing field across the board. Uh, so that that completely changed the laboratory side of this business, uh, and. And then the digital side of it, I think we're seeing that influence now where uh, we, have the, uh, we have the chair side systems like the TS-150E and the fast mill connected with uh, a, a number of scanners, um, Itero being, being the one that, that is probably the most prevalent, but, but it also connects to a number of different scanners. And now being able to I, the way we look at it is that we're moving the process from the laboratory where we're disconnected from dentists and we're, we can be super efficient in the laboratory side of things, but we can make dentistry much more efficient if we can get in and work with the dentists, right? So the minute the, the doctor picks up that scanner, that intraoral scanner, he's connected to the largest laboratory in the world and all of the technologies that we provide. So, so we're, we're, we're not just trying to create a business for ourselves. We're trying to make dentistry more accessible and more affordable and more streamlined and profitable for our dentists. Not just our dentists, but all dentists. Well, as you guys are successful, even for other labs, you're pushing the market in directions that maybe you wouldn't go to. Uh, so clearly that's a sign of influence. Um, 
dentistry has the reputation of being very slow to adopt new technology and dentists tend to be conservative. You and I both know a lot of dentists ourselves and I think we would agree yeah. with that. How is it that you feel like uh, Glidewell has been successful at getting innovations? It seems like fast to be accepted faster from you than they are maybe for, from some others. What's been the secret sauce in getting your business to move faster than maybe the market has traditionally moved? Yeah, I think that really has to do with, uh, again, I'll, I'll go back to Jim's philosophy on pricing and how we price things. Uh, many, many companies will continue to build uh, more features into their systems in order to raise the price and sell a little bit more and, uh, to the market. Uh, Jim, Jim sees it a little bit different, so he's flipped that. And he, we use technology to make our systems more efficient and he's always working to reduce the price of those things. So when we introduced Bruxel, the, the full contours of Coney and Crown, that's not, that, that, that's not really a difficult transition, but it's still a change for dentists, right? They've, they've relied on PFNs for their entire careers. That's what they learned in their university. And now here comes a company saying, hey, we have something better, mm -hmm. but how, Am I gonna am I gonna risk my whole practice on that, right? right. Yeah. So so what we did is we we gave it a uh, uh, no fault warranty. Uh, we gave it a reduced price. Mm -hmm. So we were selling PFMs for let's say average of one hundred and thirty dollars. Right. We were selling Bruxer for ninety nine dollars. Wow. From a COO's perspective, it's <laughs> having heart palpitations. Right. Like how do we? How do we, you know, we have to grow the company 20% more just to, just to break even and then, uh, and then beyond that. So, so it was a, it's an all-in gamble that, that Jim does. Uh, he has no fear. He jumps right into it. And, and these decisions on price, I think, and, and, the, and standing behind the product with a no-fault warranty for seven years, um, gives dentists a, a little bit more confidence in making that decision to make that change. So we've, we've done the same thing with technology and we've done the same thing with our software and products that we sell into the dental office. We, we just really stand behind everything along the way to make sure that they feel comfortable buying something like that. So it's interesting, you're, you're the third or fourth uh, interview that we've done. And one of the things that came out of one of the previous interviews was the link between trust and influence, right? You can't really have influence if there's not a level of trust. And what I hear right. you use the word confidence. And I would just say, yeah, confidence and trust. I mean, they seem to go together so much. If the, if the end customer doesn't trust it, then it's not going to, you're not, you don't have influence. That's very true. Uh, you know, as a laboratory, you really, if once you lose a dentist's trust, then, then you have nothing, right? So trust is everything to us. And, and being, being a trailblazer, being a pioneer, the last thing we want to do is break that trust with our customers. So we're, we're always working to make sure that whatever we introduce to them actually produces the results that we, that we're promising. Uh, the worst thing to do and, and I, I know you know this, but the worst thing to do is overpromise and underdeliver. And uh, and and we've been guilty of that in the past. I I I think we do. If when that happens, I think we do everything we can to try to mitigate that and then rebuild that trust immediately. 
That's exciting. And, and I agree with you. Overpromise, underdeliver is the worst. So yeah. good for you. Um, let's pivot a little bit, if we would, and talk about you personally. One of the things I noticed when I did a little bit of research is you actually hold six patents, which I was kind of impressed with. I was not aware of that. So talk a little bit about maybe what your role has been in the R&D efforts at Glidewell uh, and how much intellectual property and R&D has been important to Glidewell's success and, and how, you, how you foster a, a culture like that. Sure. Yeah, we... Uh... We, it's, it's been important to me to make sure that that uh, we we open up innovation. I think Jim would agree with that. We we look for innovation across the board. With um, anybody can come up with a great idea, right? And even even people, you just take our janitorial service. They they find better because of the culture that we've built here. It goes all the way down to that level to where they find better, more innovative ways to do their job within the company. And we, we support that and we foster it. So we're looking for innovation from our technicians, from our uh, general managers of our laboratories. Uh, we have one general manager that just, he never stops. He's just constantly trying to come up with a new innovation. He has a number of patents under his name. Uh, for me, there were some ideas and thoughts I had from my previous position at, uh, at Noble BioCare and Dinmap. And, 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 and I don't mean to, I'm not, this is not a, a negative hit on them, but the, that culture wasn't there, right? The innovation came from R&D. It didn't necessarily come from marketing guys or, or salespeople. <laughs> so, so I, but I saw some, I, on the implant side of the business, I really saw some areas where uh, we could make things better. And uh, and then as I got to Glidewell and I and and I saw the digital technology where it was, I saw that there were ways to make those those ideas that I had to make uh, streamline the process and make uh, implant industry easier and more efficient with digital with the access to the digital that we had here. It just really. Uh, all came together and Jim gave us that platform to to pull it off. So, so I have my name on a, couple, a number of patents. Uh, one of them in particular that just passed is uh, we have a patent for scanning implants uh, using a, a scan abutment intramural. So. Congratulations. That's exciting. Thank you. Yeah. So you are the same person at Nobel that you are at Glidewell, but you, right. know, you have, and you had ideas in both places. And yet you have six patents at Glidewell. And did you feel like, um, again, we don't want to put any bad words out there, but I would, let's put a positive spin on it and say, what do you feel like you do at Glidewell to encourage every employee associate team member to be as innovative as they can be? And not every organization does that. Right. Well, we uh, uh, actually, uh, I can't take credit for this. I have to give it to Stephanie Goddard. She came up with this idea. But uh, Stephanie Goddard, for those of you who may not know, I think everybody knows Stephanie, but for those of you who do not know, Stephanie is Executive Vice President of Business Operations. She has all of our customer-facing businesses, customer service, sales, um, and those, those departments. She came up with, uh, she also has R&D under her, uh, or I'm sorry, HR under her, apologize. Uh, and she came up with this idea that let's, Let's pay our employees, regardless of who they are, where they are. We give them a, I may have the numbers wrong, but something like $2,000 for, 
for every patent that gets filed. Wow. Uh, and then, and then I, uh, and then once it's it's issued, uh, they get they get something as well. So that's just an incentive to get to get them going. But it also creates that that culture of hey, this can come from anywhere, right? This 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 idea, these ideas can come from anywhere within the organization. And uh, and we and we we pay. A lot of, obviously, a lot of them come from our R&D engineers and, and, uh, and that side of things, but we've had a number of technicians uh, and general managers have their name on patents as well. Well, it's interesting, and it's interesting, we're, of course, not in the manufacturing or the patent business, but it's just interesting to hear how different organizations have, um, have fostered a culture of innovation, right? And how do you get everybody in the organization engaged in what's really important, right? So it's interesting right. to hear how you guys have done that. Um, let's talk a little bit about your influence within Glidewell. Um, Glidewell is a private business owned by Jim. You're the COO. Uh, you right. certainly have lots and lots of customers. And how many employees do you guys have at this point? Uh, we were pushing 5,000 uh, before, uh, before March, uh, leading into March. And, and now we're, we're probably 4,200, somewhere in there. Gotcha. So it's, We're all it's, recovering it's, from COVID. We understand. Right, right. We have we, we still have a number uh, of folks who are waiting patiently on the sidelines to come back, and we hope to bring them back as quickly as possible. Let's talk a little bit about how how do you gain influence within an organization that large? What does influence look like as the COO for an organization that large? Oh, you know that that was uh, those those were hard lessons. <laughs> well, would you share some here? So oh, we, sure. So we, yeah, we can learn them yeah. at your expense. It's all, that's yeah, the best kind I'll of lesson, you, right? Boy, we, when, I, when I was first promoted, I, I was originally hired to start the implant business. Jim had, Jim had stepped out of implants and then decided to get back in. And, and I was lucky enough to, to have that opportunity. So I, I, I came in, started the implant department, uh, tried to run the laboratory myself, and I'm not a technician. And I, and I realized that was probably the hardest job that I've ever tried to do is, is run a, uh, an implant laboratory. So I promoted uh, Javad Saranik, who is, uh, who is, I think you've met, um, I, most people in the industry know who he is. He's now executive vice president of lab operations, so he's in charge of all of our laboratories. Uh, but at the time, I turned over the implant department to him, and, and I, I then moved on to focusing on the manufacturing side. Uh, and the uh, uh, and had all of the what we called at the time digital manufacturing, which was basically three shape and a couple mills. <laughs> and uh, and then so so I, I had an opportunity to really work on implementing the the CAD technology or helping the general managers really implement the CAD technology throughout the lab. And then when I was promoted, uh, and I think every young new guy that gets promoted or late person that gets promoted into a position of authority, you want to prove yourself right away. So, uh, so I, that was me. I, I jumped in, I was going to make big changes. I was implementing lean six Sigma. We were doing all this stuff. And, uh, I was just baffled why people didn't just jump behind me and start supporting everything I was trying to do. Uh, so, so, uh, I, you know, luckily I was, uh, yeah, in our office, we, we have a, uh, an open office uh, atmosphere here. So I actually share an office with Jim Glidewell, myself, uh, Javad, 
uh, Daryl Withrow, who's in charge of our all of our facilities. He's uh, VP of operations, and Stephanie Goddard. So we all share an office. But back in that day, it was Jim Shuck, who most people know, myself, Daryl, and Jen. And uh, I, I had a lot of mentoring from uh, from Jim on, on how best to do that, and a lot of mentoring from Jim Shuck. So the two of them really helped me get through uh, my youthful exuberance <laughs> what, what was the best part of that i like the word mentoring so we, we yeah. use that word what was the best part of the mentoring it was like ah, like that kind of mentoring what describe what kind of mentoring it was you no know, you know it's, it's funny uh jim has a, a unique way about him is he doesn't he doesn't get upset he never gets upset uh i've seen him upset a few times uh but he'll say you know there's probably another way to look at that. Or, <laughs> or uh, you might think about doing something else or he'll, or he'll give me uh, a piece of his philosophy, right? He has, he has a lot of philosophies on how to deal with different situations and, and he'll tell me a story and within that story will be a philosophy. And uh, we call that wisdom. Sometimes it, sometimes it takes a while to sink in, you know, sometimes I'm a little dense and it takes a little while, but. But once we got past that uh, and, and we set up a system and I surrounded myself with, uh, with really strong people uh, like Javad, uh, Grant Bullis, who came with me uh, on the implant side, Stephanie, and, and a number of other people uh, within the organization who, uh, Mike Silveras, who I, I know you know as well, he's our chief technology officer. Um, surrounded myself with people who, who really saw the vision and, and instead of me trying to drive everything and push everyone, uh, I just got like-minded folks that were very transformative in their, in their approach to uh, business and, uh, and allowed them to help their organizations get on board. And, and then it, then it becomes more about communication and, and, education and bringing people along and showing them how it's going to benefit their their side of the business rather than trying to trying to pull from the front you know we i got behind and, and started helping people and pushing them toward guiding it. instead of pulling makes exactly. it always is easier i I, yeah. I tend to agree with that it's a little it took more, me a couple of years to figure that out but all boy, of us. sure sure is a lot easier when you're when you're in the back pushing rather than in the front pulling if you can sell that the ideas and get everyone to sort of move in the right direction it, on their own, it makes a big difference. Uh, yeah, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about as an influencer. If you could change one thing about dentistry, what would you change? You sort of yeah, the magic wand. You could make the change you wanted in dentistry as an influencer who has some power or some influence over where dentistry is going. What would you change about dentistry? Oh, that's a great question. Wow. Um, you know, I, I uh, the first thing that kind of comes to mind is I think a lot of the specialties, um, I'm, a, I'm an implant guy, so I, I go back to implants, but we also have sleep dentistry. And, and, and I see the two of them uh, similar in that when, when in the early days in the 90s in implant dentistry, <clears throat> it was really frowned on for general dentists to get involved. But, but there is a way for general dentists to get involved in those things. And, and if they take the proper training and they get to the right understanding and 
there's no reason why general dentists cannot get involved in uh, placing implants. And sleep dentistry, I see going the same way. So, um, you know, every there's a, there's a faction within dentistry who really like to keep things mysterious and complicated and, and scary and a lot of uh, smoke. And, and I think what I'd like to see is, is us kind of break through the fog of all of that and break through the mystery and, and kind of break things down to deliverable uh, tasks that dentists can learn in order to expand their business. Um, we, we at Glidewell don't believe in outsourcing. It, it doesn't work with our model. And uh, general dentists, I think, outsource a lot of business to other people. Uh, it's the way the industry is structured. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that if that's how you choose to run your practice. But I think those dentists who, who would like to expand and, and get involved in these other areas, I, I would like to see those barriers kind of brought down and, and instead of trying to intimidate them or, or you know put fear into them about how scary it's going to be if you get into implant dentistry and everyone's going to sue you and this is going to be a disaster. But let's, let's put programs together to really train those dentists and get them prepared to expand their practice and benefit from those, from those services. And I think most healthcare uh, verticals, most healthcare, most healthcare markets would say the more work general practitioners do, the less expensive and actually the better the outcome is. So nothing against I, our I specialist friends. Specialists are really important. But when, when, when a technique or a, or a procedure is locked up in the specialty world, it tends to be more expensive. So that's right. I, I, what I hear you saying fits right into the Glidewell philosophy, which is how can we bring down the price, deliver a terrific outcome, you know, but, and a predictable outcome, but basically right. at, a, at a lower price, better value. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, thank you. Well, I, I, I just think that's really great. It's not, that's an interesting answer to the question. It's not where I expected you to go, but I think, you know, this idea about how do we get general dentists to be more confident and more trusting and deliver more and better patient care uh, is an right. interesting magic wand to wave. And uh, with that, I, I think we'll leave that as the last comment. Um, Greg, thank you very much for being part of the podcast today. Very much appreciated. Congratulations on being one of our 32 most influential people in dentistry. Well-deserved. You and thank the entire, you, yeah, thank you. And you and the entire Glidewell team have changed dentistry in ways that I think most of us on the outside don't quite understand or appreciate. So thanks for sharing some of that with us today. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity. And thank you for including me on a list of some, some huge icons in the industry. It was, it's very humbling and appreciative. Well, thank you very much. And you have a great day. Thanks, Greg. Thank you. Take care. Thanks for listening in. Don't want to miss an episode of the Driving Dentistry Forward podcast? Subscribe today on your favorite podcast app.